minutes of our lives inside Either we're in traffic at work or close eyes How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives What's up, guys, and welcome into the Work River Podcast. I'm your host, Roy Edwards, and today we're going to get into uh, maps, which uh, you might think of maps. Well, there's probably lots of things that you think about when 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 thinking about maps, one of which uh, would be a geographical map, right? Where you're looking at a map, it tells you what you're looking at. You know what mountains are, where where you're headed, right? Map quest was a big thing when I was little, and um, but we're not getting into those maps today. We're getting into a different type of map. But first, if this is your first time here, welcome on in. This is the podcast where we talk about remote work, remote trends, technology, technology trends, the ability to work wherever, so that you can live every day like it is Saturday. And a lot of what we're going to get into today is going to be geared towards scaling a business or taking the next step with most specifically automation. So we're going to get into technology and we're going to get into some of the overlooked things that people are doing or aren't doing within their business when it comes to to prepping for automation or integration of any, of any kind. Most most typically it's it's with automation but You'll see it a lot with software. You'll see it a lot with uh, VoIP phone systems. Really, anytime that a business is making a change, they're they're winging it, really. And they're skipping over a pretty fundamental step, uh, a very important step, and they're trying to integrate and run, right? We have a very dangerous thing going on right now in social and in business consulting where people are saying, you know, don't wait for perfect, right? Don't wait for perfect. Just do it and you'll figure it out. Uh, that's a very dangerous route to take. Uh, while you should never sit stagnant, you shouldn't, you know, good is better than perfect, but no planning is not good. So you got to be careful with that. A lot of people are like, just run, just do it. You'll figure it out. Jump all in. Woo. <laughs> Whoever is telling you that either A, has, is drinking too much Kool-Aid or B, has never done anything. Those are those are the the two the two things there. The, 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 it's all, you're one of those two routes. Either you're drinking the Kool-Aid and you're just like, let's do it. Let's, you know, figure it out as we go. And they're probably not doing much. Or... They haven't done anything at all. You're one of the two. Nobody out there is telling you not to plan, not to map things out. That has actually done something. That's Nobody's telling you that. And so that's what we're going to get into today is about design. So 
they're they're like I said, that too many people are skipping over the design aspect of what is it they're trying to accomplish. They might plan it. And when I say plan, I have a whole nother podcast that we can go on pl planning. Planning is the first step to this. Uh, and that's understanding the, the the four W's. And I went over that on a, on, a, on a separate podcast, but the four W's, who, what, when, uh, and why, those are the... Uh, those are the four W's that you need to answer before you even get to the design phase. So understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish, why you're trying to accomplish, when it, when it is to be accomplished, what is to be accomplished. Assuming we have all of that figured out, we have our four W's figured out. Now we are actually getting into the process of trying to understand what it is that we want to implement, whether it's technology, software, uh, or in this instance, automation. That's where we get into design. And so design is done on paper. And I'll get into why designing needs to be done on paper, but designing, so there's so many design tools out there. There's Visio, there's um, what, Balsamic, there, which is more in the UX UI. There is, uh, Adobe has a design one. I think it's called like a DX or something like that. But there, there are so many different design tools out there that people think that that's where they have to start. Oh, I got to go straight into the software design tool and I have to draw out the process using some fancy schmancy design tool. While design tools are great and we use Visio in-house for our design tools, that's not even where you want to start. Okay, so we're going to break that down and we're gonna, and the keyword that I'm, I'm talking about here is on paper. So don't skip over this and don't buy into this Instagram hype of entrepreneurs who are just saying, just figure it out, just wing it because that's never been a good strategy. Winging it has never been a good strategy. It's a terrible strategy. Failing to plan is planning to fail. And if you're okay with failing over and over and over again until you figure it out, go right ahead. But for those of us who live in the real world that are trying to do things quicker, better, faster, falling on your face 500 times is not the most um, – it's not the best way to get something accomplished. Let's just put it that way. So we're going to go over design phase today. So assuming you've already gone through the planning phase, which is the who, what, when, where, why, uh, we're going to get into design. And we're going to make sure that we are designing these things on paper. And we're going to make sure that we're considering various methods before we step anywhere close to automation. Okay. So first off, I had mentioned maps. That was what I, that's the first thing that I started this podcast off with. And so I've been doing this uh, strategy, comparison, kind of like, whatever you want to say, where I'm comparing automation to war. So prep for automation, I'm comparing it to war strategy. And I've been reading The Art of War. I've been reading about Napoleon. I have a minor in history uh, specific to a study of the Civil War. Um, you know, I love reading World War One, World War II books. I'm not as, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not as well versed in modern warfare as I probably should be having doing business with the military. Um, I have more look to the historical areas of war. And I like to pull things out of historical war strategy and bring them into the technical field. Because believe it or not, there's actually a pretty pretty good correlation. We have, when you're talking about war, you're talking about uh, oftentimes different platoons or divisions of the military that have to communicate with one another rapidly uh, and efficiently 
to deliver a a a mission um with without using as many resources possible and without losing as many resources as possible which could be casualties of war could be food ammunition etc so how do we accomplish something as quickly as possible while using as little resources as possible uh tech it's the same same type of thing how do we how do we accomplish a mission a goal uh, automation a an ask a business requirement as quickly and as efficiently as possible while using as least amount of resources, capital spend as possible. And that's what we're trying to figure out from the technical side. And, and you know, there are multiple people who've done talks and speeches and uh, keynotes. Uh, Emily Freeman is one of my favorite where she does a uh, DevOps speech or, or keynote where she's talking about uh, equating Sparta um, the Mongolian Empire, the Roman Empire, and I believe she mentions Napoleon as well as um, each size and how it equates to development and DevOps. And so maybe I'll link that somewhere in this podcast. But Emily, I actually went to middle school and high school with Emily. Um, she's a very smart, very smart person. She literally wrote the wrote the book on DevOps. So uh, what is it? DevOps for Dummies, I think is what it's called, uh, by Emily Freeman. Great. Uh, if you if you want to look more into the DevOps world, then I highly recommend that book. And I highly recommend you check out Emily's stuff. So, again, she equates and uses historical war and military operations into technology, and I do the same. And today we're going to focus on design and more specifically within the military aspects, we're going to look at maps. And mapping. And so it was Lieutenant Colonel E.M. Jack of the, he was a Royal Engineer, a MAPS GHQ for the British forces during World War I, who said, A map is a weapon. And notice he said a, a good map is, an, a, is a weapon because, you know, a great map is a weapon. A map is a weapon. It's a place to start and it's something to use against. Uh, or to use for the completion of your mission. And so that is a, a key. When I, when I read that, I was like, holy crap, you know, because so often people think of their tools, their software, which in the, in war aspect that you think about uh, guns, you think about ammunition, you think about, uh, you know, any sort of weaponry or, or any sort of vehicle that's going to be the real, the real weapon. And, and oftentimes you're right, but a good map and good Intel cannot be overlooked. So a map is a weapon. And so we're going to break that down because the great war, which is also uh, world war one is another name for it. Is It's a well known for uh, innovating the battlefield uh, for mapping, for uh, articulating uh, different ways to go about uh, attacking and defensively maneuvering um, around the opposition using maps. And so there were, something called a trench map. And so a trench map was a way that they could, so trenches are things that you build down into uh, the battlefield. And if you've ever seen Band of Brothers, they're like the, 
you know, un, you're, you're digging down into the ground and you're sitting below ground level and uh, they're like tunnels, but they're, you know, you're not underground completely. Uh, it's still kind of a, it's a trench, right? So that would, they had these trench maps so that you could understand where they were where the enemy was. And if you had a trench map, then you could understand the pathway of your enemy, both as well as your own military. So you could say, okay, we have trenches going over here. So we can expect, you know, military oppositions to be here. We can attack or flank them this way. And it was a way for them to carry out their military or artillery strikes um, without having um, to pre-register targets or to adjust fire or, um, you know, they could they could do it beforehand. They weren't they could use and complete a mission with using as least amount of resources as possible because they were planned ahead and had these maps, trench maps, that they could utilize to throughout their mission. And so it was seen as a weapon. And they were making defensive preparations as well as offensive preparations around these trench maps. And so maps. They teach us the scope and the scale of things. You can plan offensive. You can plan trainings. You can plan defensive preparations and strategies. There is a lot that can go into a good map and how it can be utilized when trying to complete a mission. And so the military says something that I've kind of always – or I've kind of – taken to heart and utilized within my own organization, and that is you're always at war or preparing to go to war. That's the, uh, if, if you know somebody in the military, they'll tell you that. They're, you're either at war or you're preparing to go to war, meaning you are either attempting to complete a mission against an opposition or you are training to do that. You're always in preparation of it. And so as an organization, you're either trying to complete your mission whatever that is, or you're training as much as possible to complete to, so that when, um, when something does come through, then you're able, you're able to get it done, right? Again, anyone who tells you to fall on your face and just wing it is not giving good advice. You should be training for these things. And so maps and design comes into that extremely, extremely important maps and design. And so how does and I had mentioned that we want to write these things down. And so how does writing these things down? How does drawing out these maps physically with with a pen or a pencil? How does this help instead of using the Visio tool or a computer generated software or something like that to help you with these maps and these and these designs? And I I'm going to bring this all full circle. But how how does writing these things out? So really there are two basic levels that uh, that writing uh, occurs on. And so the first one would be encoding and the next would be uh, external storage. So the external storage is the actual piece of paper. It's the place where you're drawing these things out. And so a lot of organizations when planning are drawing out a map. So let's start with a war first. So when you're drawing out these maps, you're putting these maps up somewhere. If you're familiar, if you've watched Game of Thrones, they have that whole table that has a giant map of um, – uh, Westeros. I almost called it Middle Earth. <laughs> that would be the wrong show. But uh, they have the whole map, right? It has all where where everybody's houses are. In the new one, the the Game of Thrones, the fire underneath it like lights it up. The table glows, which is pretty cool. Um, 
Stannis Baratheon didn't didn't know that in the original Game of Thrones. I'm betting he maybe he, he wouldn't have failed if he knew. I don't know, but they had this map for everyone to see, and you had multiple scenes in the original Game of Thrones with Stannis Baratheon, and then you had the new one. Uh, you have the the Targaryens standing around the table, and so it's it's there for everyone to see. And they placing the the different house statues around on it, and you know showing where everybody is. And then when they leave, it stays out, so for people can see it. Right. The same thing happens when you're writing something down on a physical piece of paper. You can come back to it. A lot of organizations, when drawing out a process map, will will paste it, staple it, nail it, pin it to the wall, or they'll draw it on a whiteboard and leave the whiteboard up. That's because when you come back to it, you have that physical reminder that the process and, and the work that you've placed into this mapping. So that is the that is the external storage of uh, writing and how it helps the brain. The second one would be the encoding. And so encoding is where things get uh, a little bit more interesting. Uh, as to what's the inner workings of the brain more so than the external storage. And so encoding is what happens when the brain uh, sees something and the information gets transferred uh, to other areas of the brain for analysis. So this part of the brain, which I'm going to totally mess up what it's called, it's the hippocampus, I believe is how you say it. And for all of my neuromarketers out there, just feel free to shoot me a DM and call me an idiot because I'm not a neuroscientist, but the hippocampus is the part of the brain where the brain decides what's important to store for long-term memory and what can just be simply discarded. And so there is a couple different scenarios that I'll use for you that will, after I say them will become common sense. So during the decision-making process, the brain will have to sift through a lot of different information to try to dictate and understand what is important and what, what, what should be used for later for either fight or flight or uh, something that can be discarded that would just, you know what, this is a waste of, of space uh, within our brain because our brains do have a, a designated amount of space. I mean, it's not unlimited storage. Right. So the brain will get rid of stuff and it will focus on things that are important to you. So if your mind or your brain sees that something is important to you that you've written out, it'll assign a greater sense of importance to it than something if it saw something on a screen. So if you're physically writing something down, your brain will more likely let it sink in and have a uh, placed a greater sense of emphasis on the data and information so that it can be remembered. This is why taking notes in a class will help you remember a lecture better than if you were just sitting down and watching it. Also, when you talk about, um, there's something called the generation effect. And so the generation effect is a phenomenon where information is better remembered if it is generated from one's own mind rather than simply read and then reconfigured. So again, if I'm just sitting and I'm listening to a lecture, I'm not going to remember the lecture and the key points as much as if I write them down. And then some kids in college, probably the ones who got really good grades, would take those freehand notes and then rewrite them. And so a lot of people might say, well, why the hell would you rewrite your notes? It's so that you can remember them. 
because then your your chance of uh, retention of that information just skyrocketed if you if you were listening to the lecture, wrote them, and then rewrote them. So think of it this way: if you took a travel guide, right? So if you guys are all planning to come here to DC, and uh, you have a travel guide, and you read the travel guide, you're just reading the travel guide, reading it once. Sure, you might remember some of the information, but you're not going to remember it as much as if you wrote while you were reading the travel guide, wrote out a list of things you wanted to do. I want to see the Washington Monument. I want to see the Lincoln Monument, uh, Lincoln Memorial. You know, ooh, I know that if I draw, you know, maybe you drew like a, a a path from the Washington Monument to the Lincoln Memorial, and you say, you know what, if we if we take this walk from the hotel, then you know we'll be able to get this. You're going to remember that more so than you would if you would just look and read the, a map. Okay, so that's called the the generation effect. So the more that you interact with information and data, the more that you will retain it. And so the mind understands that you want to focus more on it. And so you will be more inclined to recall it later. So this is the importance of drawing and planning on paper before you jump into automation. And things will change as you go through the design process, things will change. You'll, you'll draw something out and you'll write something out and you'll be like, why is that even happening? That doesn't make any sense to me. And so writing things down and drawing them as a team will help you record everything that has, because you'll have the attention more so than an individual or people on a, on a computer screen. So physically writing it down will grab people's attention more and doing it as a team, you'll get out kinks and bugs. People will catch things that they otherwise wouldn't have caught. Um, so that will increase the uh, activity. It'll increase the attention of your group. The second point in drawing and planning out as a group um, is that it will uh, it, it'll help everyone retain it, right? So when you're drawing these things out, if you're doing it as a group and you're doing it um, when drawing things out, people will be able to be more inclined to retain the information. So they'll be able to focus on the information and they'll be able to retain the information, okay? That's how you get uh, your team to work together when drawing these things out. And so make sure that when you're drawing these things out, that you're using more than just words. So again, if we were to work as a group, so we're going to break down everything we just said in terms of generational effect and everything else. Yeah. If you were to stand up there and speak a process to your team, this is what we're going to automate. This is the plan. This is how it works. That is the least effective way to plan and design as a team. Because we talked about the generation effect where the generation effect is have your team draw it out. Hey, draw this out for me. First, we do this. Then we do this. Then we do this X, Y, and Z. And then we move it to completion. Your team draws it out on paper. So now they're engaged and their retention is higher, right? Those are the two things we just talked about. And then you can take it once and then you can take it another step further and use shapes more so than just words. And we're actually physically drawing out the process itself. And I like to use shapes to have meaning. So uh, a diamond could be a decision. A square could be an approval. Um, these types of things, right? I like to use diamonds as decisions to say like when an action happens, maybe start is circle, end is circle. An action happens. So that's, you know, let's use a square. So if somebody fills out a form. Then that draws a line to a diamond and that diamond will say, 
you know, do you approve this form? Yes or no? If yes, draw a line to whoever's actions next. If no, draw a line to whoever's actions next. I like to use shapes so that's a universal understanding. Your brain, if you use the same shapes every time and you have a templated behind it, your brain, when looking at it, will understand the colors and shapes and what they mean without even having to fully read the process. They would just say, okay, I see four squares. That means there are four, four forms of action here. I see three diamonds. That means there's three decisions that have to be made. Cool. All right. This looks right. And then, then you can get into the meat and potatoes of it. So I like to use shapes and colors when, when working out a design map, which similar to how organizations, military uh, operations, they'll use symbols on a map. You know, water will have a specific color. Mountains will have a specific color. Uh, defenses, trenches, this all of it will have a, a very specific color so that you can quickly look at a map and identify what is what. So guys, don't skip over this, okay? The, the phases of, of automation and implementation of any sort of technology are plan, design, okay, make, test, deploy, and refine. Do not skip to make, okay? <laughs> Don't skip to that. No matter how many Instagram entrepreneurs want to tell you to just wing it, it's a terrible idea. You should have things pulled from, you should have your Instagram entrepreneur account halted if you go out there and just preach to people that they should just stop, you just push it, you wing it. Hey, you know, fall on your face. Losing is fun. You know, we want to lose because we'll learn. Yeah, sure. Okay. Not when you're talking about millions and billions of dollars. Okay. Time is money. Time, and then in the military, time is, you know, time is lives. So the longer that takes for you to, to put something together, you're talking about wasting resources. And in the military, that re those resources could be casualties. And in business, those resources could be money. Um, so you want to make sure that uh, you're not just winging it. Okay, so make sure you guys go through the design phase, design your, your automated processes, design your checklists, do it on paper first, and then consider various methods. So like I said, get in front of your team, speak it out, have all of them write it down, how they articulate and understand the process, and then come together as a team to uh, fixate, to draw it out. Then you can transfer it into a software system. You can have a BA or something translated into a Visio so that people can understand it and you can mass produce it and you can print it out on one of those huge pieces of paper and tack it up in the hallway at your, at your organization and you can go about it that way. But don't just wing it. Don't jump straight to make, okay? That is a terrible terrible idea and whoever told you that or if that's what you you buy into uh just don't it's a bad idea so all right guys well hope hopefully you got a lot out of this i'm gonna i'm gonna start breaking this stuff down i'm gonna I'm, we're actually putting together a master class that'll further totally break this whole process down of introduction to automation um where we go through all the different stages plan design uh make test refine uh, deploy refine we're, we're going to go through all of it in a master class and that'll be up on our uh, online academy website that'll be launching here in fy23 so if you want to know more about it then you can subscribe subscribe to that it'll be a paid platform a monthly subscription uh, that'll have multiple training courses on there um that being one of them so Hopefully you got a lot out of this. Like and subscribe, whatever platform you're on. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. We're, we do videos on YouTube. We're getting into Twitter spaces uh, in the future. 
Uh, I was actually going to do this on Twitter Spaces, but you need it needed to be hooked up to your phone. And I was like, you know what? I don't have time to figure that out right now. I'm on the computer and I'm just going to record it. So, but look look out for where we're going to be doing it. And then if you haven't done so already, go to uh, the Go Work Wherever uh, Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group that uh, we go live in there um, as well. We do private trainings. We'll do, uh, you get specific resources that otherwise you wouldn't get. Um, and it's a group of others who are looking to uh, effectively navigate the remote work culture uh, and things to to have your organization and business better prepared for a, uh, a remote world. So guys, thanks for hanging out. Hopefully you got a lot out of this. And until next time, guys, see you. Take you gotta let it down. Cause you can't remember